Welcome to this edition of Your Rancher Radio, the podcast. I'm Jim Watkins. It's good to have you here. And it's so fascinating. There's a lot of things fascinating about the Rancher book, but one of the fascinating things is it brings to light people of history that we don't know about. We know a lot about, or we know a little bit about Abraham and Moses and some of those earlier figures, Joseph, Mary, certainly Jesus, Paul, and some of those figures, the Zebedee brothers, the apostles, uh, Melchizedek, certainly we learned a lot about him. But what about the ones that didn't make it onto the pages of our history, didn't make it into the Bible, but still had uh, an impact on our world? And that's sort of what prompted me to want to do a sort of an in-scope, in-perspective on the more fascinating people in the Arantia book. And this time up, I think we want to talk about Rata, our story of Rata, wife of the son of Adam's firstborn, Adam's son, some 34,000 years ago. It settled in the region of Dopek Dog, and they have quite a story. And I want to share that. But before we talk about Rata and her eventual meeting of Adam's firstborn son, Adam's son, her story actually begins hundreds of thousands of years before. And you might recall that the life carrier sons had planned a new type of mortal embracing the union of the conjoint offspring of the prince's staff. The prince's staff being the 100 who had come from Eden, Edentia, really, Edentia, uh, and became basically an an immortal staff of 150 men and 50 women who were literally cloned from the pre-existent Andonites, who were basically the number one tribe on earth at that point, the colored races had only just started and had only just evolved. So there were more Andonites. So they gathered together the best of the stock and uh, they were there, the prince and his 100 men and women, and they settled in that area of the Persian Gulf and they tried to settle and create a high civilization. And the plan was to create this civilization that would teach these then savage humans how to do things like trade and farm and build homes and irrigate water and all of those things that are necessary uh, for the building of any kind of society. They were to be the revelation of truth. They were God's answer to helping man evolve. And it's kind of funny when we watch all the television shows about ancient aliens and all those things that happened back. Who were they? Where did they come from? And here it is in the Arantia book. It explains it. So they talk about the life carriers and how they had planned a new type of mortal embracing the union of the conjoint offspring of the prince's staff, which were the 100 who were themselves cloned from the Andonite race, the first race, the aborigines of our world with the first generation of the offspring of Adam and Eve. So they anticipated that at some point when Adam and Eve would come, they would have their offspring. And then there would this be this preexistent type of mortal that was more of a perfected union of the conjoint offspring of the prince's staff and the first generation offspring of Adam and Eve. And so they projected a plan envisioning a new order of planetary creatures whom they hoped would become the teacher rulers of human society. So pause to consider that for a moment. 500,000 years ago, certain things were put into motion so that eventually our society would be ruled or administered to really by these enlightened beings who had been here for half a million years. Imagine what our world would look like today. 
The Urantia book says such beings were designed for social sovereignty, not civil sovereignty. So they wouldn't have been military kings and queens. They would have been more like the Dalai Lama. And then it writes, but since this project almost completely miscarried, we'll never know what an aristocracy of benign leadership and matchless culture your world was deprived of, Urantia. That's the origin of the family whose descendant would be Rata. So Rata is a descendant of this one-time prince's staff. And now she's living up north with Van and Amadon in that area. Van was also a member of the prince's staff. And we'll remember that Van and Amadon were very instrumental in holding things together after the rebellion occurred some 200,000 years previous when there was war in heaven. So, continuing on, the Nephilim, Nodites, were on earth on those days, the Nodites being the descendants of Nod, one of the prince's staff. When these sons of God went into the daughters of men and they bore to them their children, were the mighty men of old, the men of renown. Quotes taken from Genesis. While hardly sons of the gods, the staff and their early descendants were so regarded by evolutionary mortals of those distant days, even their status and their stature came to be magnified by tradition. This, then, is the origin of the well-nigh universal folk tales of the gods who came down to earth, and there with the daughters of men begot an ancient race of heroes. And all of this legend became further confused with the race mixture of the later appearing Adamites in the second garden. And that's where they pick up on the story of Adam's son. He is an Adamite of the second garden, although he was, I believe he was born in the first garden prior to Cain. So Adamson was among that group of the children of Adam and Eve who elected to remain on earth with their father and mother. You remember when it was settled after Adam and Eve had defaulted and they had decided or they were required to stay, but their offspring had a choice whether they could go on to Adentia or if they wanted to remain and stay with their father and mother and help build a society. And Adamson had elected to stay. The eldest son of Adam had often heard from Anne from Van and Amadon and the story of their highland home in the north in the Lake Van region. And sometime after the establishment of the second garden, Adam's son was determined to go in search of this land of his youthful dreams. Paper uh, 77, section 5. Adam's son was, would not desert his parents on Urantia. He was disinclined to flee from hardship or danger, but he found the associations of the second garden far from satisfying. He did, not, he did much to forward the early activities of defense and construction, but decided to leave for the north at the earliest opportunity. And though his departure was wholly pleasant, Adam and Eve were much grieved to lose their eldest son, to leave him going out into the strange and hostile world, as they feared never to return. A company of twenty-seven followed Adamson northward in the quest of these people of his childhood fantasies. In a little over three years, Adamson's par partly actually, no, Adamson's party actually found the object of their adventure. And among these people, he discovered a wonderful and beautiful woman, 20 years old, who claimed to be the last pure line descendant of the prince's staff. This woman, Rata, said that her ancestors were all descendants of two of the fallen staff of the prince. She was the last of her race, having no living brothers or sisters. She had about decided not to mate, 
had made up her mind to die without issue. But she lost her heart to the majestic Adamson. And when she heard the story of Eden, how the predictions of Van and Amadon had really come to pass, and as she listened to the recital of the garden default, she was encompassed with but a single thought, to marry their son and the heir of Adam. And quickly the idea grew upon Adamson. In little more than three months, they were married. Adamson and Ranta had a family of 67 children. They gave origin to a great line of the world's leadership, but they did something more. It should be remembered that both of these beings were really superhuman. Every fourth child born to them was of a unique order. It was often invisible. Never in the world's history had such a thing occurred. Rata was greatly perturbed, even superstitious. But Adamson and well knew of the existence of the primary midwayers who were developed from the uh, 100. And if that part is not clear, I would encourage you to read about the prince's staff, and that explains the origin of the primary midwayers. Primary midwayers, secondary midwayers, for those who don't know, and they are not quite angelic because they're not of the seraphic order, but they are the permanent citizens of the earth. They stay forever. And they are the custodians. And in fact, the midwayers were responsible for for bringing the entire life and uh, teachings of Jesus in part four of the Arantia Papers. So those who the midwayers are, and they're still among us today. But I digress. Back to the story. So she has this child. Every fourth child she has is invisible. Adamson knows it's the existence of the midwayers, and he decides to mate them. And so they create a secondary order. And within 100 years before this phenomena suddenly ceased, it reads, almost 2,000 were brought into being. Now, Adamson, uh, Adamson lived for 396 years. Many times he returned to visit his father and mother, and every seven years he and Rata journeyed south to the second garden. And meanwhile, the midwayers kept them informed regarding the welfare of his people. During Adamson's life, they did great service in upholding a new and independent world center for truth and righteousness. Adamson and Rata thus had all of their command, this corps of marvelous helpers who labored with them throughout their long lives to assist in the propagation of advanced truth and in the spread of higher standards of intellectual, spiritual, and physical living. And the results of this effort at world betterment never did become fully eclipsed by subsequent retrogressions. In other words, some of their ideas survived. The Adamsonites maintained a high culture for almost 7,000 years from the times of Adamson and Rata. So for those who are looking on the calendar, this would have been between 30,000 B.C. and uh, 22,000, 23,000 B.C. Later on, they became admixed with the neighboring Nodites and the Andonites, remembering now that the Nodites are the descendants of those of the prince's staff and the Andonites. I believe we refer to them now in our modern archaeology as the Denisovans. Anyway, the Andonites were also included among the mighty men of old. And some of their advances of that age persisted to become a latent part of the cultural potential which later blossomed into European civilization. Paper 77.5, paragraph 10. This, this center of civilization was situated in the region 
of the southern end of the Caspian Sea, near the Kopet Dag. A short way up the foothills of Turkestan are the vestiges of what was one time the Adamsonite headquarters of the Violet Race. And so it would appear that not only did uh, Adamson and Rata found what would later become the European civilization, but they also became uh, eventuated descendants, became the Sumerians, and uh, their, their bloodline, which eventually led to Mary. Mary was a descendant of Rata. And, of course, Jesus, by default, would have been related to Rata. So Rata not only founded the secondary midwares, uh, not only was she a descendant of the one-time prince's staff going back half a million years, uh, but she also became uh, the heir apparent to the progeny of Adam and Eve through Adamson, the first son of Adam. And so now you've got her influences pretty much spread everywhere. There's a little bit of Rata in all of us, it would appear. And it's interesting to read about these people, these missing heroes in the Arantia Papers. Just one of many things that is fascinating about the Arantia book. And so we'll leave it there. Uh, we'll have other profiles in the episodes to come. And if you've got a suggestion on someone who you find quite fascinating from the pages of the Arantia book, let us know. Our email connection is net. That's where our homepage is, where you can get in touch. Read the latest on what's happening in the world of the Arantia book, the communities, the Zoom meetings, the upcoming conferences that have been either canceled or rescheduled. You might want to check, but all of it in one place, UrantiaRadio.net. And of course, you can reach me anytime, Jim, at UrantiaBookRadio at gmail.com. UrantiaBookRadio at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Arantia Radio Podcast.